So, for the recording, this is week two of Christian Evidences. Um, this week, we're going to cover ancient cities and sites, so some biblical archaeological stuff. Uh, next week will be science. The fourth week, I'll be gone on vacation. The fifth week, we'll cover some ancient rocks and bones. And the sixth week, we'll, we'll do some... Uh, ancient human history and uh, and their stories. So today we'll cover a little, just a tiny review, and then we'll talk about some terms and definitions, and we're going to start from old stuff to more recent stuff, and then hopefully we'll make it to the end where we'll go over some new discoveries. So last week we talked about why this uh, information is important. It's so that we can give a defense uh, for our faith that we have, that there is evidence out there. Um, and we also talked about, are the scriptures accurate? We talked about older manuscripts. We talked about, um, well, today we'll actually talk about some inscriptions of older uh, texts that have been found to, to help prove the dating of when these things were written. So... A disclaimer, there, there is tons and tons of things that you can research on archaeological things. The things that I'm going to cover are kind of the highlight of things you will find, things that are very common, I, I should say, things that any book that I've read has these most of these sites in them, or most of these items in them. So this is just kind of like scratching the surface of this subject. So Indiana Jones said that archaeological is archaeology is a search for fact, not truth. If you're looking for truth, uh, if you're interested in truth, go down to Dr. Tyree's philosophy class right down the hall. So forget any idea that you've that about lost cities, exotic travel, digging up the world. Well. Uh, we do not follow maps to bury treasure. X never ever marks the spot. 70% of all archaeological stuff is done in the library. So this is, when they dig stuff up, it is facts. It's what's pulled out of the ground. Uh, they're not digging up truth. They're digging up evidences that can point to truth. So just kind of remember that a little bit. A lot of times they're finding things that are just things left behind by people that had either died or moved on or somebody built a city on top of it and buried things. So this is not, I mean, some of it, the inscriptions are really important, but just kind of remember that's what we're doing here. So definitions. Everybody pretty much agrees that ancient civilizations started in the Palestine area. That's pretty much agreed upon. And this mound that we have here is what they call a tell. And they basically build a city because it's important. It's a gateway to somewhere, or there's a river, or you know, trade between two nations. They, they build a city there. As time goes on, that city might fall. Years may pass. They're going to build another city there because it's just an important place. And eventually... They just keep building and building and building. So when they have these tells, 
they will start at the top and dig down and it's like digging back into history. The top layers are going to be most recent and as you go down you'll get ancient cities and you get more and more ancient as you dig down. The couple other words we're going to cover, ossuary, it is a place for bones. So a lot of times they'd have these boxes. Now the catacombs are considered an ossuary as well, just anywhere where they put bones. Then we have a uh, bulla, which is basically a seal. Like if you wrote a letter, you'd have a ring and you would pour wax or some type of clay on it and you'd put your ring in there to seal it. That's what a bulla is. And they found some of those. This one here is actually from Hebuchadnezzar. Then they have steel or stela, and these are monuments that governments would set up to basically mark their victory. Uh, we do that today still. We, we build monuments to things and write on them and, you know, to, to memorialize things and say these things happened and so there, there's quite a few different ones of those. So we'll just jump right into it here. This is a site in the Dead Sea area that they believe could be uh, the city of Sodom. And um, it's dated back to 1950 to 1540 BC. And they have found walls and floors that are buried underneath three feet of ash. Plus they found pottery that is, uh, looked like it has been burned up to 2000 degrees Fahrenheit. And there's no volcanic uh, area in that, in that region to, to account for that. So what we have here is something that happened in history that completely agrees with the Bible but there might be something 50 miles wide that's not mentioned in the Bible that's just as factual. But if, it, if they, they've dug it up, 100% of the time it agrees with what the Bible said about it. If the Bible said anything about it, Solomon Gomorrah is mentioned as a place where God rained down fire. And what you're saying here is that we have found evidence of a city in the middle of the Jordan Valley where there's no volcanic activity this was burned up by fire raining from heaven. Yes, exactly. And, and like I said last week, there, there hasn't been any type of archaeological sites that have disproved the Bible. They all prove the Bible in, in the sense of saying that the Bible is factually accurate, historically accurate in people that have lived, places that are there, time frames things like that. This is the, the law code of Hammurabi, and um, this was a Babylonian king, and he rolled in between the time of Abraham and Moses, and uh, the, his code actually addresses nine different gods. Uh, he exalts himself, his reputation, and uh, his wisdom is on display on this uh, code. He obviously takes very, very much, he says, yes, this is my law. It's from him. He's the author. There's no moral um, qualities of the gods. And there's, there's clear punishment for the crimes that are in the law, but there's no uh, provision of forgiveness. So a lot of times they'll say um, that 
it, it said that the gods had a job while Yahweh had a plan. Because this is always compared to Moses' law. Yes, sir. Who, who, who is that quotation from? Uh, from that book at the bottom. So, yeah, uh, a lot of this is from, from books that I have. Uh, one in particular I, I uh, address a lot. And I will put, like, the number 24, that's page 24, and then the, the book is at the bottom. And these slides, the slides from last week, these slides, the slides from next week, they'll all be online as well. Okay. So that's a quotation from Anderson, Clive, and Edwards. But, but there's a quotation within the quotation. <laughs> oh, I don't. Uh, Who are they quoting? I don't know. I'll have to look that one up. Okay. Probably their source. Yeah, whoever their source is. I'm sure they quoted it correctly. I just didn't transfer it over. Jeremy, there's a secondary uh, piece of evidence from this code of Hammurabi and the Stila. Because there's many had claimed scholars that Moses could not have written the Bible because there was not a system of writing at the time. Right. This disproves that. Right, because and, uh, this outdates him. <laughs> Moses' is writing that he used in a Semitic language, or the Hebrew, was in existence at the time that... Uh, uh, yes. The, this most of the examples of that are in <clears throat> things like this, honoring a leader of a culture at that time. And this was pre-Moses. It is a Semitic language. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Shem's descendants were called Semitic and the languages of Hebrew and Arabian and languages of that of the Fertile Crescent are Semitic languages. And this is one of the Semitic languages of a culture that was not Jewish at all, but it is written. A lot of the laws are similar to things in the Law of Moses, the kinds of things they were interested in, but they're not the same. Yeah, to get back to what Ron was saying, the... Uh, a lot of this stuff, I mean, this is like 3,500 years ago. So if you're going to have any evidence of that, it's going to have to be on some type of metal or rock, some type of hard service that can withstand that test of time. Uh, next, I'm just going to talk about the Hittites, because for the longest time, the only reference of the Hittites was in the Bible. There was no outside evidence of the Hittites for, for years. Um, and this is just highlighted as a a god to the Hittite, the Hittites god. Um, and I thought that'd be kind of cool. We're just, I'm going to start heading into uh, Exodus and the uh, taking over Canaan here. So we kind of moved a little bit more present, uh, which this is actually not really in the right place, but this would be Jacob's well. Uh, this one, the well can't move, so it's going to be staying in the same place. They uh, believe this is Jacob's well from all historical evidence that they have uh, as far as records and stuff go. They have dated uh, some bones and stuff around the area, but they only go back to like the 7th or 8th century uh, B.C. But uh, obviously Jacob's well would have been um, dug before that. Uh, here's Jericho. And uh, was the city that they, uh, the Israelites marched around and the walls fell down. And there's evidence. They kind of go back and forth on this. They found walls that were collapsed and burned. And they dated them to right around, what, right after the Exodus. 
and then uh, they date them differently, and then they go back and date them back to the way they originally was. So the city is old, so some of the dating could be correct just because of things that are there are going to obviously be older. Um, dates would be of objects they found in the rubble of, of, of these cities. Right. Much of the... Find a, uh, uh, like you say, a box or, or a hand stamp or something that they could put a date to. Often, by the way, the way you date these things is you go back to the divine history and you say, well, in the Bible it says blah, 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 and people will say, oh, no, that's just a myth. But then they'll dig it up and they'll say, oh, well, the Bible said it, blah, 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 blah. So much of this city is actually, uh, they're not able to excavate it because it's under a modern city. So there's only parts of it that they can actually excavate. Kind of like what we said earlier, a lot of these sites are built on top of, you know, new cities are built on top because of where they're at, because of the, the importance and significance of where they're located. <clears throat> this one uh, is a little rock carving from, I don't know how to say it, all or AI, they, this city's name different. But anyways, it's a Canaanite city that was destroyed by Joshua. And it was found in 2013. It was marked as a very important discovery for that year. And also it marks a new location where they could uh, dig up a new site, new city, basically. Uh, this one's pretty cool and interesting. I really like this one. I don't know how to say that word, the letter of whatever that is. Apahu. Apahu or something, yeah. It was discovered in 1887. It's dated to the fourth, 14th century. Uh, it's in Babylon, Babylonian cure form. And basically it's saying uh, that there's this nomadic group of people that are super powerful coming into their land. And these kings are saying, hey, Pharaoh, help us because these people are going to destroy us. And the nomadic bandits... They don't name them as Israel, but it fits perfectly with the timeline of Israel taking over the promised land. And this little tablet's about the size of a cell phone, basically. So it would be really easy to carry and transport. So I find that very interesting that right when the Israelites are supposed to be taking over the, the promised land, we have letters from there being sent for asking for help. Yes, Todd. When they uh, <clears throat> read these, are there ever any people that I'm more professional than this guy is that actually says this, that disagree with what that says? Or any of the ancient writings, are there ever any people that think they know more than the person that found it? Uh, that can read it? A little bit. We'll get into one of those here in a second. But... Uh, Mostly, they, they, if, as long as they're pretty clear on the, on the text, like this one's not damaged or anything, it's pretty obvious of what it is. They, they pretty much all agree. Now, we have some other ones that are either been etched off and they're trying to read what was there previously, or there may be somewhere where people were just totally misspelled things when they wrote it and they can't really agree on what it means. Uh, Jeremy, I can, on some of that too, is that some of that is going to depend on the language that they're doing, because like uh, hieroglyphics, 
hieroglyphics is not so much that it's just some, it's a symbolic based of, of language, but the fact that it changed so much over the centuries, over right. millennia, and so you get different eras of writing. Um, but other ones, they were more like our language with letters and numbers and things like that, and they didn't really change a whole lot. So, and I don't think cuneiform ever, I don't think that's one that is debated too much yeah, as to, so. to uh, having a lot of differences. But some, like you said, I mean, some, some of it, a lot of it depends on the language. Some languages are highly debated, some languages, right. just, uh, there are, everybody pretty much agrees. We mentioned this as a, in a language from Egypt. There have been people who have been studying Egypt and its history and, and things from Egypt ever since the 1800s. Uh, so when you see one of the things, this is just the beginning of a whole new way to study history. Uh, and, and all we're seeing is the original artifact. And there'll be, you went online, you'd probably find 200 different people who comment about what all that meant. But what we have, what you're showing us here is the actual object that was dug up out of the ground. Right. And a language that was confirmable around 1,500, <coughs> 1500 years B.C. Right. This uh, king of Egypt or Pharaoh, whatever he was, he, uh, yeah, it's Pharaoh, he uh, wrote in 1209 B.C., referencing Israel. He, he uh, exaggerates. He says that Israel is actually destroyed. And uh, what it says here, it says, Israel is laid to waste and his seed is not, is what's actually written on the tablet. Um, but he references eight different names of people that he's destroyed. Seven of those are actual lands, locations that he's destroyed. The eighth one is the Israel that he's talking about, which is a people. And they believe that he's exaggerating because they've kind of left and taken over the, the promised land, or at least started, mostly. <coughs> um, yes. Uh, here's uh, Tal Dan. This is an altar. We'll talk about Tal Dan a little bit more in a second. But uh, this dates back to uh, Jeroboam uh, when, he had, <coughs> when they had built... Uh, this is in 1 Kings 12, 28 through 30. Uh, talks about building altars to two different, two different golden calves on different altars in Bethel and Dan. And here, O you God, here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So the people went even as far as Dan to worship one of them. <clears throat> so this is the ten northern tribes that are in the Bible, and uh, this is where they believe the altar was. They found the horns, and they believe the metal would be showing basically where the altar was. And it's pretty big. You can see how, you kind of see people on there, and you see how big the altar is compared to them. This is the Moabite stone, or the Mesha stela. This was one that uh, they don't really agree with. One, I mean, some, a French, uh, Scholar believes that it says David, even though the capital D is missing, and others are not so sure. But uh, basically this would read, if it does refer to the house of David, it would uh, be about 120 years after David's death. Uh, for the longest time outside the Bible, there was no evidence of King David. So uh, that would be really important. We've had this for a long time, but until... Some other finds, they, they didn't really have anything other than this. Um, 
Uh, so this actually reads that in the tie of Jerob, uh, uh, Jeroham, he threw off Israel and occupied some of their cities where he took their vessels of Yahweh. So this one's unique because they actually use the word Yahweh, actually Israel's name of their God, which uh, is very uncommon. So this is like the first use of that outside the Bible, of that name of God. The um, word Yahweh, God uses to name himself, I think in 6,800 places in the Bible. Uh, El-based names uh, are a third of that many, but this is the major name that God gave to himself that uh, we read it typically in uh, T-H-E-L-O-R-D, all caps. Right. This is where J-H-W-H was originally there, and the Jews decided to keep from profaning God's name. They'd just start calling him the Lord. But this is the major name that God gave to himself from Genesis 2 all the way through the Bible. Right. So the, uh, they believe the Syrians and Babylons uh, have no reference to Saul, David, and Solomon until the time of Ahab because these nations had no known contact with the land occupied by Israel. And uh, that's Second Kings three. Um, Jerry, yes. I, I know I'm a guest. Nope, go for it. A week ago, History Channel was running something on the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh huh. And in the, I'm not sure if it's being housed in Israel or Great Britain or who has it, but they were in there in the '50s. They thought they were doing a great thing by taping, putting tape on it to hold it all together. It wasn't yeah. rock; it was the paper. And they've just come up with the ability to scan it and use the infrared, different color tones, to go back and reread re it and visually get to see what's going on there. And they're starting to be able to uh, read it better now. Right. It's, it was pretty interesting. And they're still finding stuff over there in the tunnels over there at the Dead Sea Scrolls area. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Which I do have a slide on Dead Sea Scrolls. And like I said, we could just probably spend a whole six weeks on just the Dead Sea Scrolls alone. <laughs> so uh, this is the uh, at Taldan as well. This one, everybody agrees on. This one says House of David. Um, so this one reads, uh, The king of Israel and I killed him, and the king of the house of David, or... Um, dynasty of David, city of David, that type of idea. That's what's actually written on this one. Um, and this would have been about 200 years after David had, uh, had died. So they, pretty much everybody agrees on this, that there was a David, he was a king, and he had founded a dynasty. So uh, all the people that said he didn't exist because only the Bible talked about him, they are wrong. So. And yet, a third of the world says, oh yeah, I know who David was. He was one of Jesus's, uh, he was a, a forebearer of Jesus. Everybody's always known that, but there was never anything dug up that had specifics about him until right. 1947. Here's the, the bowl I told you about that um, is the royal seal of uh, Hezekiah. Um, a lot of the research I've done, there's a lot of stuff on Hezekiah, which is, is kind of cool. Um, so speaking of that, this one's pretty phenomenal to me. I don't know because maybe I'm because I'm an engineer. This is the tunnel that uh, they had dug 
from basically the, the, the engineers blocked off all the springs and, and streams. This is uh, 2 Chronicles 32, 2 through 4. Uh, all the springs and the streams that flowed through the land, uh, and even more radically, they blocked off the upper outlet of the Gihom Spring and channeled the water down to the west side of City of David. 2 Kings 20, 20. Uh, the Assyrian record shows that Hezekiah had four years to prepare for the, the siege that was coming. This is, they dug about 1,700 feet. They dug about 160 feet under the ground. It was a 0.6% gradient, and they met in the middle. And they didn't have any shafts from the top to guide them. So they don't know how they did that, whether that was God's help or whether they were following some type of underground stream, but pretty phenomenal either way that they had axes and lanterns and they dug this thing. So pretty, pretty cool. This would be under the Temple Mount. That was the greatest interest in the Bible lands in the late uh, 1700s, 1800s. In 1900s, the reason it was of such interest is the Muslims have their city of uh, this is a sacred site to them, and they wouldn't let anybody dig under there. Right. Most archaeology came out of America and Britain as far as the scholarship and the money from it. So, this tunnel was found in uh, 1838, and then in the 1880s, a boy was playing in the tunnel, which Imagine that. <laughs> cool place to play, right? Well, he finds this inscription in the center of the tunnel. And the tunnel says, While the stonecutters were swinging their axe, each man towards his fellow, and while they were still three cubits to be cut through, there was heard the voice of a man calling to his fellow, for there was an overlap or a crevice in the rock on the right. And when the tunnel was driven through, the quarrymen hewed the rock, each man towards his fellow, axe against axe, and the water flowed from the spring towards the reservoir for 1,200 cubits, and the heights of the rock were over the heads of the quarry man uh, was 100 cubits. And it was dated to 1701 B.C. And they actually carved it out of the rock and moved it to a museum, and they took a... Uh, a replica basically put it back just so they would actually have the, the real inscription. But pretty cool that not only did they dig it, then they decided to go ahead and make a carving there as well. Yeah. Archaeology was centered in the city of uh, in Jerusalem, in the, the biblical area there, in the valley of the Nile, where uh, Egypt had been there for a thousand years, two thousand years. And uh, in Iran, Persians did a lot of archaeology. This all started around 1800. We think that everybody knows everything we do. The archaeology was not an interest of anybody until about that time. So uh, next is the Epic of Gilgamesh. And I'll probably talk about this one a little bit more on uh, a different week. But this one uh, was discovered in 1857. Um, and it's dated to 650 Nineveh time. Um, they believe that it was derived from an older tablet, which could have gone back before Noah. And uh, 
like I said, I'll cover a lot of the details of it later on in a different week. Uh, this here is uh, some wee little tiny scrolls of silver. Um, they are found in a tomb close to Jerusalem. And uh, these are microscopic and they cover uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And they say, may the Lord bless you and guard you. And then may the Lord make his face shed light upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face unto you and give you peace. And these were dated to 587 B.C., which until these were found, a lot of critics believe that the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, couldn't have been written until probably the time of exile around this time. So these actually help date the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, to, to older. It had to have been written before this. If they're the quoting scripture, then they... Would have been when the Jews were in Babylon as a conquered people. <clears throat> right, and they also use the, the Yahweh, the W-H-W-H, with no vowels for, for God's name on these as well. Right. What, are, what are they? These people have, like, expert eyesight and... Excellent penmanship. Huh? What do they think they? How did they inscribe? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's silver, so it's not terribly hard. So no. they may have scratched it on there somehow. But they would have had some type of way to magnify it to see it to to scratch it on. I guess I don't know. But they were little tiny things rolled up, and they were in the, the floor of a tomb when these amateur archaeologists come in and they were sweeping this tomb out. They found these plus a lot of other little items that were pretty cool. And this was a common, this is a common practice worldwide. Um, you find that, I know we, when we were in England, we went to Bath, England, and that was, you find these kind of things with Roman stuff. Right. And they have tons of them and they're, they are, they're just like pewter or silver. And they are, this, I don't know how they did either. It was all just microscopic Yep. Language written on there, they would do different things, throw them in the bath, but they're all over the world. They say I have time to do anything else. <laughs> uh, the Rosetta Stone, and uh, like, like Wes was saying earlier, uh, this was founded in uh, 1799. This is what kind of really opened up the interest into Egyptian archaeological stuff, and because it Opens up the world to Joseph and Moses as well. Uh, so it was really important to us as well than just regular Egyptian. But it had three different languages on it. And all of them started off with uh, a citation to Pharaoh Ponte the fifth or something in 195 BC. And uh, they all three languages said the same thing. This was kind of the key to uh, open up hieroglyphics and the uh, demonic uh, Egyptian language because of course we knew Greek Greek was the language at the time so languages were basically <coughs> their pictures of real things as instead of a letter you would draw a picture of a giraffe if you wanted a giraffe those are called hieroglyphic languages or they were uh, languages that came from the Arabian uh, alphabet, alphabetical languages, which is what the uh, Semitic languages were, but two different kinds of languages. Uh, in Asia today, languages are somewhat, except for modern, modern languages are hieroglyphic languages. Right. They draw pictures, and it always means the same thing from document to document. You guys will have to uh, look at my slides because I'm only like halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, anyways, uh, Lashis is a uh, town outside of Jerusalem, and uh, they would have been had been destroyed earlier. But uh, here's when they are about to be destroyed uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. He's coming back in with his army, and somebody picks up this little shard of pottery and writes this message and sends it on. And it, it says, May Yahweh cause my Lord to hear news of peace this very day, this very day. And uh, they, they didn't, so <laughs> they were destroyed after that. Um, here's one of the... Uh, this one I was trying to explain to Stacy. This one's a little bit harder to explain. But this... Uh, so, Bella's, Bella Hazar is in the Bible, and I believe that... <coughs> The other, his dad, is in the Bible as well, but there's really no outside evidence of him because he uh, changed the Babylonian god to the moon god and sin, and nobody liked that. So once he kind of, they kind of deposed him, and then they etched his name off of everything. So they kind of <laughs> tried to erase him from history. So we didn't have evidence of him until we found some things. But uh, this here is basically a prayer that he offers for long life for himself and for his son, uh, Bella Hazar. And then uh, the next one is also uh, Stella that was found as well with himself uh, worshiping the three gods, uh, this moon god, the sun god, and the goddess of love and war. Uh, the, this cylinder, it uh, actually talks about uh, Cyrus, he uh, was probably the first <clears throat> king in history to ever actually send people that he conquered back to their homeland and send them back with their religious items and all of their items instead of keeping all that stuff. He sent them back. Um, and this also references uh, 2 Chronicles 36, 23. Um, Ezra and 1, 2, and 4 talking about when the people were released and were allowed to go back to Israel. It's like an ear of corn. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fairly big, actually. It, I, be, they're like the original cotton machines. Yes. They would, put, right. they would lay clay tablets out blank, then they would lay that on there and roll it. And whenever you roll it out on the blank tablet, it would then have exactly what was on the cylinder. So they could make hundreds of them. Copies real fast. This would be an Aramaic in Babylon while the Jews were there. The last couple of books of the Bible are actually written in this language because when the Jews left Babylon after 75 years, they were speaking the language of the land. The last couple of books of the Old Testament are actually written in this language, Aramaic. Um, so then uh, more modern things that we know about, the Pool of Bethesda. I don't know if any of you have watched The Chosen. That pool's on there. Uh, this wasn't found until... Uh, I, I didn't put the dates on there, but they, uh, I don't remember when they found this one, but it was missing, and then they found it buried under some some stuff. This one here, this, this one was missing until 2004, and these guys were working on a sewer line, and they found these rocks, so they started digging it up, and voila, there's the pool. Uh, and then where they think that Jesus was buried... Um, they built a church there. So these are sites that you can actually go over there and see and visit. Um, 
what else I got? If I have any extra information on that. We talked last week about the scrolls that uh, Constantine read to be converted. So in 326 AD, he got the whole church leadership together and said, let's decide which one of these was just a good sermon, which one will really inspire. That was the first time that we have a codex, a book of all the scrolls tied together. Constantine demanded three copies of that. One copy of that from 326 AD is still in the British Museum. We talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls last week, and uh, they're they're so important that they're included in all these different archaeological sites. Um, and then something that's left today, part of the Temple Mount, the, the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, whatever you want to call it, Jews will actually still go there and pray, and um, they actually that's the closest they can get because of the Muslims and the the Rock of the Dome or the Dome of the Rock, whatever it's called. Um, that they can't get into. And then uh, we have, you still can go to Capernaum. Um, that's in Greek, that stands for the village of comfort, is what that stands for. And that's Jesus' town where he would have started his ministry and did many miracles. And on the left is a mile marker. So, you know, you hear take, take it a mile and go an extra. That's what the markers would have been like. They'd have had those all over the place for the people to carry their, their bags around with. Uh, here's the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed. Um, here's uh, Pilate. They didn't know for a long time. They weren't sure about him. But uh, we found inscriptions in a part of a building that had uh, his name on it. We have uh, some coins that belonged to Pilate uh, that were minted in Jerusalem. Uh, and then the crucifixion, they, uh, the way that the crucifixion took place, uh, a lot of critics were saying, no, that's not possible, but we actually found bones in an ossuary of a guy that was crucified. Um, so not only does it say that, yes, they crucified with metal stakes, a lot of times metal is important, so they take the metal out, the iron stakes out. This one, they believe, was in a knot, so they couldn't get it out, so they just left it in there. And the fact that he was buried in ossuary with his family is important because a lot of critics would say that if they were buried, if they were killed on the cross, then they were put in a potter's grave or something like that. And this is evidence that that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times the bones and stuff, the bodies could go back to the, the family like Jesus has got to go into a tomb. Uh, here's Caiaphas, the uh, priest of that did the midnight trial for Jesus. Um, they believe this is his his ossuary with his family, two infants, a child, a teenage boy, an adult woman, and then a man within a, in his sixties. And uh, they pretty much believe this is the high priest uh, Joseph um, Caiaphas. So just about everybody believes that. So, and then uh, here's uh, some of the new stuff, 2022. This is what they call the curse tablet, and. Uh, like I said, I don't want to keep you guys too long. But there's some more slides on here. There's references. There's references at the bottom. I'll get these to Jack, and hopefully by midweek or so, these will be online, and you guys can go through and look at them. And if you ever want to borrow books or anything like that, almost all these books I have available to me. I have them. I bought them. So with that, I'll let you guys go.